0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter twenty-four, verses one through eight, and uh, this is a a part of the Bible we actually read this last week uh, for our read scripture uh, study and discussion. And then we didn't even have enough time to talk about this particular passage because there was so much else to talk about. But this is such a good one, anyway. <laughs> um, this is Exodus 24, and this is at uh, Mount Sinai. And uh, before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning as we hear your word read and proclaimed to hear your word. God, that we would be those who have ears to hear minds to think and understand, and hearts that are ready to be changed. God, that by your word and by your spirit, even today you would make us more into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned before with the Old Testament, we don't take the Old Testament and apply it straight to today without going through Jesus first or else we're at serious risk of misapplying it. Um So as you're hearing these words, if you're thinking, hey, this reminds me of something Jesus said, you're doing it right. Here we go. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, come up, <clears throat> come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, They responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant And read it to the people. They responded. We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood. Sprinkled it on the people and said. This is the blood of the covenant. That the Lord has made with you. In accordance with all these words. Turning then. To our gospel reading from Luke chapter 6. We get to see an example of people who were reading uh, the Old Testament without uh, Jesus in view. Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 11. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so. And his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the last uh, several weeks, we've been looking at a uh, passages. Dealing with uh, food sacrifice to idols, whether or not to eat food sacrificed to idols. And I know that everybody has been coming back week after week because we're still troubled by this uh, whole idea of eating food sacrificed to idols every day. We're going about our business going, I don't know, do I eat the food sacrificed to idols or not? Like, this is a pressing concern for everyone, right? No, <laughs> it's not for us. It was for people in Corinth in Paul's day. This was one of the main things that was uh, at issue for people who were Christians and trying to follow Jesus in a world that wasn't. And so they're surrounded by a culture where people are having food, sacrifice idols. They're having uh, these times of worshiping idols and making these sacrifices. And then this is where the meat is coming from in the markets. And so for Christians who are saying, we want to follow Jesus, we don't want to follow the idols. How do we do that? And so for us, the question is, <laughs> The same as them. We want to follow Jesus. We don't want to follow idols. How do we do that? And so he gives us uh, this example of how to, uh, like how for the Corinthians, they were to deal with this food sacrifice to idols. When can they eat it? When should they not eat it? What does that look like? And then we, we <laughs> today can look at that. We can learn from that and we can apply it To the situations we face where we may be uh, in danger of following idols. We asked the question last week, is Paul a coward? And we answered, no, (laughs) he was not a coward. And so uh, we can find all kinds of examples of uh, places throughout the New Testament where we see him uh, standing very strong in the face of all kinds of dangers. But... We asked the question because last week was when uh, we actually saw him writing, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. That's what he says. Run away, run away. And we're like, is he saying this because he's a coward? Not at all. But because he recognizes the danger of idolatry for what it is. And so um, today, though, we're going to be looking at a different question about Paul Uh, that being, is he a people pleaser? Is he somebody who just tries to get everybody to like him? Is that one of his highest priorities? And I think you would see, no, (laughs) that that is not who he is. That's not how he operates. And yet, he does say some things that might lead us that direction. But before we get that, um, we uh, left off last week with um, some idle thoughts. Not I-D-L-E, but I-D-O-L, idle thoughts. And I bring these up again because uh, two reasons. One, we didn't get to finish them last week. <laughs> we, got to the, uh, we got to hear the thoughts, but we didn't get to hear the way that Scripture addresses these very same ideas. And then, um, and we're not going to go through all of them again this week, but then the other thing is, um, <clears throat> because this is... Uh, not only what Paul was telling them to flee from, and this is an example for us in our day and age, but also the ones we're going to look at this morning uh, really do lead in well to where he's going today. This, by the way, is the last week on um, the food sacrifice to idols, and next week we're getting to move into the next section of the letter, and um, so pay attention now. This is, this is kind of it on this one. Um, okay, so First of all, oh, before we even get to that, uh, first of all, the idle thoughts, one of them we said last week was, uh, it's our money, our time, our bodies, our lives, so we should be able to do whatever we want with them, right? Kind of thinking of the day, and yet, for the Christian, that should be different. Or in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's different, isn't it? Or then um, another one was, It's fine to spread gossip about people, as long as we say we're concerned about what's going on with them. Pretty common, yeah? But, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Pretty different. Another one. We should hate our enemies, do harm to those who hate us, make those who curse us sorry, and plan revenge against those who mistreat us. Pretty common. But for Christians, on the other hand, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, But to you who are listening I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Very different. One more. We shouldn't be the ones serving other people. They should be the ones serving us. Pretty common. But, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you see the way that there's a difference in, uh, <clears throat> in Scripture that's very different from uh, the kind of the culture that we live in, and that we're surrounded by, and that we're influenced by. And that uh, we can be affected by to the point even of not even recognizing that there's a difference and just going along with the ways of the culture and thinking that we're following Jesus when it's actually very different. This is uh, some of what was going on with um, the church in Corinth as they are dealing with the food at sacrifice to idols and you got people who are eating it going, "What? Well, I don't Everybody's doing that. I can do that. It's fine. It's not a problem. And other people who are going, no, this is a huge problem. Can't do that at all. And then Paul actually comes in and answers with Christian wisdom and gives kind of a confusing answer because his answer, which, you know, everybody wants to know, can you eat it or can you not eat it? Yes or no, Paul. Just give us one of those. And he doesn't give him one of those. He's like, you know what? Sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's not. At all. What? (laughs) How is that possible? How is it fine sometimes to eat the food sacrificed to idols and other times it's not fine at all? Like that really seems like it would be a black and white, one or the other. It's got to be one way or the other. I don't even see it that how it could be possible. And so this is why we've taken several weeks on this as he's uh, kind of spelled it out over time in the letter, explaining this whole position. And uh, what we get what we get to now, this is the conclusion of the matter, and so it kind of brings everything together right here. This is verses 23, chapter 10, verse 23, going on through chapter 11, verse 1, which really is the conclusion of this section. Paul says, uh, quoting... What they say. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. All right, this is a... uh, a dense kind of passage we're going to work our way through uh, and but we'll get to the main point actually first start there when he uh, and this this is the main principle that he's been talking about throughout this whole section it's what he's been explaining and it's what he's been actually living and it is very different from the Corinthian culture for that matter it's very different from American culture this is where uh you know I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. a little countercultural, yeah, what are we taught instead? Put yourself first, <laughs> right? You seek your own good, you get your name out there. you put yourself forward because nobody else is going to do that and so. Uh, if If you don't do that, how will you ever get what you want? Good advice for getting ahead in the world. Why might Paul's advice be different? Maybe he has a view that getting ahead in the world is not the most important thing. And this is where it does come down to issues of priority. When, uh, when Jesus is asked, who is my neighbor? Do you remember why the question was asked? There was a guy who asked Jesus about the greatest, you know, the greatest commandments and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. But the man wanted to justify himself. So he asked, who is my neighbor? Right? Because if I can take some kind of people and say they're not my neighbor then I can still feel pretty good about who I am and how I've been living. So he wanted to justify himself. Does Jesus let him justify himself? No. (laughs) Instead, Jesus tells a story about uh, someone who gets robbed, beaten up, left for dead on the side of the road, and then three different people who go by. The first two you would think, might stop to help, and they don't. And then the third one actually does. Now hear this again. And then he says, who was the neighbor? <laughs> the one who showed mercy. So here, verse 24 again. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Think about the first two who passed by. Were they seeking their own good or the good of others? What about the one who stopped? seeking his own good or the good of others. What Paul is saying sounds so weird and wrong and backwards to us. And it's just what Jesus taught. It's also what Paul lived. It's what Paul lived because it's what Jesus lived. This is one of the things that we have seen throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians is Paul will teach them, here's what you're to do, and then he says, now look how I'm already doing that. And so at the end, he's like, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. And this is where we ask the question. the people pleaser. Why is Paul trying to please everyone in every way? Is he trying to get everyone to like him? If so, he's doing a terrible job. (laughs) He gets beat up a lot. (laughs) No. He's not uh, trying to get everyone to like him. But he says in verse 33, even if I try to please everyone every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many. This is why he does what he's doing. This is why he's trying to please other people. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a second. But the idea is there is a purpose behind it and it's not to get people to like him, but it's for the good of many so that they may be saved. This is the idea that the whole of Paul's life is pointing people to Jesus. Can they still reject that? They sure can. And a lot of them do, (laughs) but he's like, but they're not going to do that because of me. If they do that because of them, that's on them. But they're not going to do that because of me. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure they have an opportunity to respond to Jesus. I'm going to do whatever I can to introduce everyone I meet to Jesus. And the whole of my life, everything I'm doing, ought to be pointing people to him. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. That's a very different perspective, isn't it? And that Which we talked about earlier, of kind of the perspective of... Our culture at large, but then there's the other reason why Paul says he does this. Is verse uh, chapter eleven, verse one he says, "Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ." And as you look at Jesus, this is how he lives. Right? It's all for the glory of God. It's does Jesus ever make any personal sacrifice? <laughs> does he do it for the good of others? Yes. Is there, <laughs> I expect somebody to be like, objection, leading the witness. Anyway, this is how Jesus lived. For the good of others, self-sacrifice. And so then Paul says, it's because of that, <laughs> that I'm living this way. I'm not doing this so that people will like me more. I'm doing this for the glory of God, so people will know Jesus, so that uh, I will be more like him and the other people will be more like him. For the good of many, so that they may be saved. So with that in mind, that's, those are, these are the principles <laughs> that then come into play when it comes into the specifics. So these are the general things. So then you look in the middle and go, okay, so what are the specifics he's answering here with these general principles? And it's, do we eat the food? Do we not eat the food? And you may have situations you're facing right now that aren't this particular situation, but could maybe fit in this category where you're wrestling with, do I do this? Do I not do this? How do I go about what I'm getting ready to do? So as he talks about this, maybe uh, this is the matrix you plug your situation into. So first, he says, there are times you can eat. You can eat the meat, and it's fine. And uh, it's been pointed out that sometimes this is the difference between menu and venue. So if, it's a helpful way to remember it anyway, that the, the meat isn't the issue. That Christians can eat the meat. And then he says, why can they eat the meat? Well, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's actually our call to worship this morning. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, which means he created this meat. So I can thank God for the meat, and I can eat it? That's not the problem. Okay? Or well, what if somebody invites you to a meal? Can you go and eat that? And he's like, yeah, totally fine. Go, eat the meat. Again, not a problem with the meat. But what if then somebody says, hey, um, you know that was sacrificed to an idol? He's like, well, then don't eat it. Like, but I thought you just said the meat was fine. Why am I now not eating something that is totally fine to eat? Have you followed his logic so far? Have you been able to apply the principles that we talked about, that are like the big general principles of how he's following Jesus and what he's doing? So why would it not be okay to eat the meat that's totally fine and other, other times to eat? For the good of others, Right? And so there's somebody who is saying, look, the way I see it, if you're eating that meat, you're participating in idolatry. And you're like, guarantee I'm not. But we don't need to have that fight right now. I'll just not eat the meat. One day, maybe you'll get to a point where you understand. And then we can share a meal together where we're both eating the meat and it's fine but we don't have to have that conversation up front so I can eat the meat. I'm willing to put that off. Now, this is where Paul had even said earlier uh, that he would go with no meat kind of the rest of his life. <laughs> if, if that's, uh, says, uh, this is in chapter 8, verse 13, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. But putting the other's interests ahead of our own Um, and then he goes verses 29 and 30 uh, he's talking about the other person's conscience why am I being judged what's that about with their conscience and it's basically their conscience affects you when you are affecting them (laughs) but like if you've got meat that you've bought at the market and there's nobody around who's raising concerns of conscience, then do you still have to abide by their conscience? No, you can eat. It's fine. Um, But the point is, this is chapter 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You hear how much stuff that covers? It covers eating and drinking and everything else of life. <laughs> so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's By the way, this is the uh, Halloween verse. I don't know if you noticed that. Halloween is October 31st. That's 1031. This is 1 Corinthians 1031. Just keep that in mind coming up. It's the day that uh, Martin Luther nailed the 95 thesis to the uh, door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, in 1517. And it's the day that this year we'll be having a trunk or tree at the Courthouse Square. What do these have in common? 1 Corinthians 10.31. It's a Halloween verse. Because it covers everything. Whether you're nailing 95 theses to the door of the (laughs) church in Wittenberg, Germany, you're doing that, do that to the glory of God. If you're participating in a trunk or treat and handing out candy to kids, do that to the glory of God. And everything in between. This is the way that Paul has been living. He's been living this way because this is how Jesus has been living. And Jesus said, follow me. And so Paul is doing that. Seeing every sacrifice he's making as worth it because he sees the difference it's made in his life and he sees the difference it makes in the lives of others. We have a culture that wants us to curve in on ourselves to the point that we can only see ourselves and, the, and that we only see others in that they reflect us well. That's not Christian. Christian is very different It is when uh, Paul says no one should seek their own good but the good of others. It's been pointed out he doesn't use even the word neighbor here, like love your neighbor. But going back to how Jesus tells the story about, well, who is my neighbor? And what he gives him is someone who is an other. And so when Paul says here no one should seek their own good but the good of others, that's those who are different from you not those who look just like you. This is what Jesus says. You're thinking Paul's just gone off track here. (laughs) This is what Jesus says uh, in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, um, if you love those who love you, what do we do? People who love us and we love them, we pat ourselves on the back and we go, we're good Christians because look how we love so well. And he says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There is a very different way of living than the tax collectors than the pagans. <laughs> And what's so crazy is it's a way of living that even embraces and welcomes the tax collectors and the pagans. But they're not welcoming back, right? Yeah. Paul says, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Do not cause anyone to stumble. The Jews, Greeks, the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we, um, we admit that we are those who very often live our lives to try to bring glory to ourselves. And God, we ask that you would uh, show us the error of our ways. That you would help us to see clearly the differences between what our culture says is normal and the life that you are calling us to. God, help us to be those who follow Jesus well, that whatever we do, we do to point people to you, that you would be glorified here and everywhere. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.